0: We're in our Surrender Series that I've started this year, and uh, not sure how much longer this will go, but uh, as as long as I, I get a thought on this whole concept, we're just going to keep going. Is that okay? Who's enjoyed the Surrender Series? Has anyone, yeah, you've been getting a bit out of the Surrender Series, and uh, and so I want to take that another step today. You know, one of the most Awkward moments, I think, that as people we can find ourselves in, particularly as adults, is when, um, when you realise that you've, you've actually been hearing something, but you're caught out because you haven't been listening to something. Now, every husband in the place knows exactly, Jason Job knows exactly what I'm talking about here, doesn't he, Belinda? And that is, uh, that is when, you know, you answer your wife something like uh, when she says, uh, what would you like for dinner? And you say, yes, dear. <laughs> and then you try and talk your way out by saying, what I meant was, yes, I'd like dinner, dear. But, but she, as soon as the hands go on the hips, you know, you know, don't your husbands, you just know, you know, just surrender. You know, just plead forgiveness, buy a bunch of roses, do whatever you've got to do because you've been caught. Caught out hearing but not listening. There's a difference. Every parent knows the difference. When you yell out to the kids in the backyard, okay, time for bath, time for dinner. It's not that they can't hear you. As a matter of fact, what makes that so frustrating for a parent when the kids just keep playing? is the fact that you know that their ears work. You know that something's vibrating on the side of their head, telling their brain what you're saying. However, they are not hearing you. They can hear you, but they aren't hearing you. And interestingly, the Bible in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says something very, very similar to us as God's people. And James encourages us, be doers of the word and not hearers only. And then he says, literally, deceiving yourselves. That we can deceive ourselves when we we hear something and it doesn't translate into action. In the same way that a parent knows, I'll know my kids have actually heard me when they do what I'm asking them to do. I know they're hearing me, but they're not responding. And it's that response that lets us know that the message is getting through. And this is what James is saying. We can actually deceive ourselves with Bible knowledge, just as an application. Knowledge will not save you. As a matter of fact, Paul says knowledge puffs up. Knowledge will make you arrogant and proud. Knowledge of itself is no good to you without some form of application. Don't just be hearers, be doers in a sense. That's how God knows that we're not just hearing but we're listening when we actually activate it. So I want to talk to us today about the surrender of obedience. The whole concept of this series has been if you want to walk with God, if you want to know God and, and, and walk on, with some level of intimacy with God, some level of deeper relationship, we will always come to significant points of surrender where we have to get to the point of not my will, but your will be done. And the instant we do, intimacy becomes tangible. And all of us have probably experienced that. So I want to speak to us about the uh, the surrender of obedience and in my last couple of weeks that I've spoken I've actually talked about the blessings of surrendering in obedience I've talked about the fruits of obedience when I talked about for example positioning yourself in life some of you might remember that Uh, that message that had a few stories attached to it that you know trying to get God's purpose and God's plan right and all of a sudden when you do that when you say no to things that look obviously good but you don't sense there's a God element in it and maybe saying yes to things that don't look fantastic for you but you're convinced God's taking you that way all of a sudden you can find yourself positioned in life in an amazing space that you never thought you would be God's able to lead you through. Some of you don't sound convinced. Cool. And the other thing, uh, I guess, was provision. Positioning and provision. You know, I love this old quote, but God's provision is strategically placed on the pathway of obedience. And I, I preached a message around that. And I guess those things are the fruits of what I want to talk about today. Today is like the underpinning theology on obedience and what it brings to our lives and at one point a lawyer came to Jesus an expert in the Jewish law came to Jesus it's recorded here in Matthew and I want to read this passage and Jesus interaction with him and then I want to look at a bit of the background to this passage of scripture so Matthew chapter 22 and it says one of them an expert in the law tested him with this question teacher which is the greatest commandment in the law in other words what does God want us to do the most Jesus replied love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind this is the first and greatest commandment now I could go on to say what he says next which is and and the 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 second is like it you know love your neighbor as yourself in that sense but I just want to stop on this brief passage of Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And what we have to understand, and I guess as I grow in my faith and go on the journey and study more, what, I'm sort of re- what is really challenging me is that Jesus didn't pluck words out of the air in a vacuum. Often what we hear Jesus saying was established Jewish teaching. He was a Jewish rabbi. He wasn't, you know, a a, a white, Caucasian, blue eyed, fair haired Westerner like many of us grew up with that kind of image. He was a Jewish rabbi. He knew the Jewish scriptures. He knew his Torah. He knew his prophets. He knew the Old Testament backwards. He had to to have the position of teacher that he held. And so Jesus' words didn't form in a vacuum. They're actually taken from the the Hebrew prayer or the uh, Jewish prayer, the Shema. And this was a a prayer that uh, is taken from a few different passages of scripture, but this portion that Jesus quotes is actually taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses four through five. And it says this, Hear, O Israel, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Does that sound familiar? That's exactly what Jesus answered the lawyer. He gave them a prayer that they, with a few other verses, that's not all of it, but that is the beginning of the Shema, which interestingly enough, it says, Hear, O Israel. And that word for for hear in Hebrew is Shema. So the prayer is named after the first word, hear. Here, Shema, here. And then the instruction comes. And so they strung a few verses together and they would pray this. This was prayed for thousands of years by Jewish people. Even today, Orthodox Jews pray pray this apparently twice a day. The Shema, where they pray through loving the Lord your God with all your heart and a few other elements. But again, I just want to zero in on what Jesus picked up on and says, this is the greatest command but before we go there what has any of this to do with obedience and to understand that let's just do a little language thing we've got to understand language you know the Hebrew language I'm amazed to find out uh, it only has 8,000 words that ancient Hebrew language 8,000 words. By comparison, the Oxford Dictionary says English has about 271 or 275,000 words. Some of them are are, are dated and not in use anymore. But the ancient Hebrews had 8,000 words. We've got tens of thousands of words to communicate the same way. And what that means is in the original language, every word has a number of meanings it's got to carry a number of meanings it's sort of it's like an overstuffed suitcase that's just got to carry all these extras where we might have particular words for particular things and of course this can create a problem yeah. in our actual understanding of ways of the way some of these ancient writers wrote and so i just want to look at one simple thought here today that could really really help us i want to look at what jesus didn't quote The beginning of the Shema is what Jesus didn't say. And most likely, not because it wasn't important, but most likely because it was assumed. It was set in stone. And he was just asked, what is the greatest commandment? So the the hero Israel, that might not have really fitted the category of commandment, but I think it was left out simply because it was assumed that people understood that first phrase. So, why don't we look at it and just see what it says? Here, O Israel. Again, that word Shema, which actually means more than to perceive sound. It's also translated all through the Old Testament this way obey. Wow. Obey. The word for here has embedded in it the concept of. Of obey. As a matter of fact, Bible translators who have gone to many different nations and particularly with more primitive languages have struggled to find words or have found a similar pattern in their languages as what we see in Hebrew. They can't find a word that they can translate obey because here and obey means exactly the same thing, yeah. not just in ancient Hebrew, but conceptually as a people. The ability to use less words but convey the same meaning. And yet isn't it interesting how we contend quite easily to separate the two. This is exactly what James was addressing. You think hearing is enough? Like, Think about it. We gather every week to hear, to listen to the scripture being preached. And we can deceive ourselves, James says, into thinking that accumulating knowledge is enough. And where it says, hear, O Israel, the whole thought was, if you hear from God, embedded within that is obedience to follow. And we probably don't have a word that complex in English language It's all sort of carved out into neat little spots. Genesis chapter 22 is a great example. God blesses Abram because he obeyed. And yet that's the word Shema. Exact same word as hear. He heard and he obeyed. One and the same concept. So it means not just to hear, but to hear in such a way that it changes you. That you practice what you hear. And then the prayer goes on, you know, addresses the Lord Adonai. And then it says he is one, which is another really interesting word. This word, Echad, um, because interestingly enough, uh, you know, even to this day, probably Jewish theologians would look at that as an indicator that the Trinity is not real. That what we might perceive as Christians as being one God and three persons, it cannot be right because God is Echad. He is one. But interestingly, the meaning also says, or also basically means "alone, one," or "alone." And of course, back when these scriptures were written, Christianity in the Trinity wasn't a thing. So this isn't a statement on the nature of God. This is a statement of how where to approach God, that He is God alone, that He is a He is one. He stands alone. I worship one God. I don't worship God and money. I don't worship God and pleasure. I don't wor- That's what the, the, the original writers are saying. He stands alone and above all to be worshipped. Hear and obey. He is one. And then it launches into what Jesus says. You shall love the Lord your God. Which is, a, which is an interesting concept because it's like how can you command someone to love how can you force a feeling of love into someone I think it's one of the rarest feelings that you can actually force I'm not sure if it's the only feeling, you can force fear can't you you get someone to fear fear, intimidation anger you can force all kinds of feelings but you can't force love and yet Scripture says, both in the Old Testament and Jesus reaffirms it in the New, this is the command, love the Lord your God. Unless, of course, love means something different to feelings. What if love is tied to hearing, as it is in this passage? In other words, love is to hear to hear is to obey and that is the whole concept at the beginning of this jewish prayer that jesus would have just assumed people understood that much before he injected loving god into it that love for god is not a feeling love for god is expressed in doing is exactly what james is saying don't be hearers only be doers and so how does that look, I guess, in our lives? I love the how Jesus' teachings, for a start, come into clear focus. When you think about this, Jesus said so much about hearing. And if you have that understanding of hearing, that to hear was linked to obedience, well, you'll see it so plainly now in Jesus' thought and his teaching. So can we just run through a couple of passages of Jesus' teaching, and let's just have a look at this in, in, uh, in action. Luke chapter 6, verse 27, But I say to you who hear... I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And interestingly, this is like a little, uh, a, a, you know, a, a literary thing. This is a couplet where two ideas are just sort of sat together side by side. They're actually saying the same thing. Love your enemies, do good to to those who spitefully use you. Enemies and those who spitefully use you are exactly the same, which means love and what you do is exactly the same. Do you understand what I mean? Enemies and those who spitefully use you, that's a balance. That's saying the same thing a different way. Therefore, love and doing good is saying exactly the same thing. So do you understand what I mean? This concept of if you hear, you obey. Uh, Another passage. I love this. Uh, Matthew chapter 7 verse 24. We've all heard this passage. Therefore, whoever hears these things of mine, these sayings of mine, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And you can see that Jesus connected wisdom with doing, actually following through. He, hearing and obedience must connect for to actually be effective. And all of us would have proven this in our life. I know for me as a young bloke, before I became a Christian, I've got to tell a story, a pre-marriage relationship story. Is that okay, Pastor Sue? I've got the thumbs up. <sighs> boy in my dumber years before I woke up and married my wife I had a girlfriend who'd had a previous boyfriend now I'm cutting this story right down very short and one day he turned up at the girlfriend's place to try and patch up the relationship even though he knew that she had a new boyfriend and something got in my heart as a young bloke that was just terrible the bitterness the hate I have to say it's maybe the only time in my life I've ever known hatred and it was crazy you know it was over a girl that really didn't matter anymore so but it changed the course of my life I got so bitter so angry and this poor guy I mean I would drive past him in the street and scream obscenities wind my window down as fast as I could just so I could scream obscenities at him and threaten what I was going to do when I caught up with him and we're both in the motor trade so at some point inevitably I was going to catch up with him and one day it happened, and it happened at a very inconvenient time, about three weeks after I met Jesus. (laughs) So for about 12 months, I'd been screaming insanities and threatening this guy, and now we were face to face, and I was actually in a car that he was driving, he was dropping us back to our, our workshop, and I'm sitting in the back, and all I knew and I was only a very new Christian, but I knew that if I didn't get to a place of forgiveness, that that's where my Christianity stopped. Mm. And God was bringing me to a point of surrender. And so I did. I got out of the car, I went around, motioned for him to wind his window down. He wound his window down and <laughs> went back. And I just said, I just want to bury the hatchet. I'm sorry. I was at a christening of one of his kids in the Catholic Church probably two months later and was able to walk up to him and say hello. And and the point is this, you will never know the power of forgiveness until you forgive. The moment I said that to him, as crazy as it seemed to be, and it went against every fabric and fibre of my being and what I really wanted to do, the moment I did it, a weight came off my back that I did not even know was there. And it was like, wow, this is forgiveness. And forgiveness sets you free. But you will never know the power of forgiveness unless you forgive. As a matter of fact, I think this is why Jesus said, if you don't forgive others, your heavenly father can't forgive you. Mm. And I don't think it's because God doesn't want to. I think it's because you can't receive forgiveness unless you know what it is to forgive. Mm. You know, when it comes to obedience and hearing, it's like the whole tithing generosity message. You can hear it. And from afar you can throw stones at it or poo-hoo it. But the moment you enter into it, all of a sudden you begin to understand this is what generosity does. This is the freedom it brings to me about the way I think about my finance. This is the blessings it can bring to others. And you enter into a phase of trust in your relationship with God that you won't get any other way than actually putting some physical trust in him hear and obey whoever hears these words and does them is like a man who builds his house on a rock and here's the interesting thing we know the other guy built his hand on the sand the house on the sand and it doesn't say the poor guy who never heard my words built his house on the sand it says the guy who heard my words but did not do them see no no life is storm free we'll all encounter storms but some lives are storm proof some storm some some lives survive the storm and it comes down to our obedience are you okay you've still gotcha even though everyone's coming out on the i'm not going to finish for another five or so but you're welcome guys aren't they beautiful they're just awesome thank you so much yes we should give it up for the team online give it up for the team they love serving you. Just a couple more verses and then I'm going to ask us some questions. Matthew eleven fifteen. 15. This is my, maybe my favorite of all of this study. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And, and often we read that and, and I guess, and I've even preached this, I've preached it as Jesus was saying, listen up, what I'm about to say is really important. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. No, no, the whole juxtaposition of those concepts is he who wants to understand, let him do. If you want to perceive sound, do more than that. If you really want to understand these principles, don't just listen to them. When you put them into place, when you obey them, they'll come alive within you. He who has ears to hear, he who has ears to obey, the desire to to know the truths of the kingdom and obeys them will actually get it and then of course I could summarise it and I could have started here but if we didn't go on the journey you wouldn't be as convinced of course Jesus says it so plainly himself what are we talking about we're talking about the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind And he summarizes it so simply in John chapter 14, verse 15. And Jesus simply says, If you love me, keep my commands. In other words, if you love me, don't just say you love me. Don't just sing songs. Don't just pray. Don't just read the Bible. If you love me, all of those things are good things. But if you love me, you'll do what I ask. You'll actually not just hear it, but you will practice it and it will change your life. And the fact is, we, track, we practice what we truly believe, not what we aspire to. You know what I mean? We practice what we truly believe. So, where does Christian faith, where does loving the Lord your God really hit the road and what does it look like? It looks like things are, are I back into someone in the car park. Not here. I'm not talking about a recent incident, although that applies if one has happened. I don't just scamper off. I write a note, put my name on it, even though it's going to cost me money. Because that's a really practical way of not just loving my fellow man, but showing that I've actually heard. (laughs) I've actually, I've heard this. It it looks like integrity when we're in a conversation and and someone is being bagged or bad-mouthed We've got an opportunity to either pour a bucket of kerosene on that or pour a bucket of water. And it's in the choice we make whether to enter into slander and running someone down or whether to cover someone with love. It's in that moment that we say, I love the Lord my God with all my heart because this is not just about a feeling that I get in a meeting. This is actually about me hearing and obeying. Hearing in a way that has changed My life change the way that I live? They're just some of the ways. Let's ask some questions. It all leads to questions. I think this is this is the beginning of it. Where does my knowledge outweigh my obedience? Where does my knowledge of God? Of the, the things of the kingdom, where does my knowledge outweigh my obedience to my knowledge? That's a question we've got to ask if we actually want to hear what Jesus is saying. And it's in that point of surrender, when it's, it's in that point when we go, "You know what? there's some areas that I need to surrender. There's some things I've been holding on to. I need to surrender. You know what normally props me up, or bad attitudes or whatever it might there's some things I need to surrender to actually show that I've heard what God's saying. Does my lifestyle betray I only have room for one God, or am I a reflection of, of the prevalent culture? Because our culture has so many gods, doesn't it, to worship? So many distractions. So many pleasures, so many things that can take the main thing and water it down. So, really, does my lifestyle, does the way I live, does the way that I live out loud in the world, does it reflect I have one God? Because remember, that's what the command was. Hero Israel, the Lord is one, He alone is God. We don't serve Him, plus, we serve Him alone. And then finally, do I perceive love as an action as well as a feeling? You know, it's okay. It's okay to have feelings. It's not bad to have feelings of love. And those emotive feelings sometimes, you know, do push us towards higher commitment. But at the end of the day, do I perceive that love is more than a feeling? And I tell you what, for every married person here, you know that that's actually a key for all of your life. Love is more than just a feeling, but it goes beyond that into actions. You doing okay today? (laughs) You alright? Cool. Why don't we stand together? Why don't we stand together? Let's just determine not to go out of here hearing only. Let's not let's just not fall foul of the one concept I tried to bring across you okay you are doing all right you went so quiet makes me worry even online i could tell you were quiet (laughs) let's pray father we thank you for the clarity of your word and the simplicity of your word if we love you we'll do what you would like us to do we'll be who you want us to be and Father, we thank you right now, this morning, for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for everyone in this room, myself included, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, so that we have the grace to cooperate with change that you want to bring, with, uh, with courage that you want to see us step out into, whatever, whatever is next, whatever our next step is, Father, I pray, meet us right there. With willing hearts, we want to obey you. We want to obey you. We want to show our love tangibly in this world. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you know, if you're here with us today, whether online or, or right here in the building, um, putting Jesus number one is where it all begins. You might not be ready for that, or you might be today might be a day where you think you know what I've tried a lot of other things but maybe Jesus is the one thing I really haven't fully given myself to and you might even be in church but it's like you know I've been in church I've been trying to do this thing but I've had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom for too long and just right where you are you can just just make that decision to make Jesus number one in your life use simple words like, Jesus, I commit my heart to you, my life to you. I want to obey you. Help me to understand what that means. Just open your heart right where you are. And, and if you're making that decision, James is just going to come and let you know what you can do to follow up on it. Let's thank Pastor Chris. What an incredible, incredible word.